Blue foul will take a shot downfield. Remember that for your highlight show tonight. Brucott to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! Gets by Nip. He has to chase it inside the 10. He dives on it. It is loose. And it is picked up by Jacob Callier. Callier's got it to four-yard line. A turnover. And the freshman with another big play for Colorado. Oh, there's Lindsey. He's gone. Lindsey's gone. Montez with all kinds of time. Here's back, rifles it downfield. Shea Fields on the left shoulder makes the grab. Runs away from a defender at the 10. Into the end zone. Big play, Shea. Touchdown. Touchdown, Colorado. We are finally back with a new podcast. This is Adam Munster Tiger, publisher of BuffStampede.com. Excited to catch up with fan correspondent Tyler Ziskin. Buff Stampede Radio is brought to you today by EverPillow from Infinite Moon. It's ever customizable, ever comfortable, and everything you could want in a pillow. They did their research and sourced the best natural materials for you for the best price. Oh, and it's ridiculously comfortable. When your new EverPillow arrives, it will come with a drawstring bag to store your extra fill so you can customize the loft and shape to give you the perfect spinal alignment. Why not customize your pillow and say goodnight to kinked necks and morning aches and pains? EverPillow, made by us, perfected by you. Use GoBuffs in the cart to receive 10% off your next purchase. Go to InfiniteMoon.com. That's I-N-F-I-N-I-T-E Moon.com. Tyler, it's been a little while. What's new with you? Not a whole lot, man. Uh, a lot of travel, a lot of work. Um, adulting sucks. <laughs> so that, that's all it is. No, it's all work, no play anymore for for Tyler's. Apparently, I don't know where we got to this point, but yeah. <laughs> um, new role at work, and it's keeping me busy. What well, once opening days over though? All three of our busiest days of the year will be behind us, and I'll get to enjoy the summer a little bit. Hopefully, get out to the Rockies games a lot. So, how much of this hype around the Rockies you think is legit? Um, I think it's partially legit. I think their bullpen is really nasty. Uh, their starting pitching definitely is a little bit of a question mark to me. I think their division is extremely tough, which will be the most difficult thing they have to overcome to make the playoffs probably. But I think they should be a fun team to watch. They'll definitely be in the running, I think, most of the year. And uh, I think they could probably have a pretty good run at the playoffs. So we're going to make up for the lack of podcasts recently, and we're actually going to throw three your way. We're going to start here basically with a spring football recap, talk about just some of the main headlines that, that came out of spring practices, and then we're going to have a mailbag show. We got quite a few questions from fans. That'll be our second show, and then our last show will be a men's basketball-only show, kind of recap last season, talk about the new commit that they have. With football, Tyler, I think we got to start with Dante Sparacco deciding to leave. This was kind of the big story with the, the football program this week. You had quite a bit of, and I don't mean to knock these players, but you had quite a bit of good attrition happen mm-hmm. this offseason. Michael Matthews, Taryn Hasselbeck, Lee Walker, Johnny Huntley, Eddie Lopez, Sam Bennion. Am I forgetting anybody in there? I don't think so. 
those are guys that weren't going to play a big role on this football team. Right. Uh, Dante Sparacco, even though he had gotten passed up and wasn't working with the ones at the end of spring ball, this is still a guy you would have liked to keep in your program. Yeah, it's especially frustrating for me because he's a guy that I've obviously been really high on. I've talked multiple times, so I think they have him playing out of position. I'd like to have seen him move into the defensive line rotation. I just think he's a better fit there. You know, obviously outside linebacker, there's really only one guy at the field at one time, and he seems like a playmaker to me. Um, but it also is just frustrating from the fact that it just doesn't seem like he handles adversity very well at all, ever. You know, he's been, seems like he's been at a different school every year or every other year since he's come on the radar as, yes. a, as a quarterback. In yeah, Glenwood did you Springs. know that this, uh, when he ends up practicing at Montana State, this will have been his, the sixth football team he's practiced with in five years? Yeah, that sounds about right, which is, you know. It is right, Tyler. That's kind of, yeah, <laughs> that's uh it's a little bit alarming, I guess you could say, about how he's handling this type of stuff. Um, so I guess I see frustration from both sides of the coin here. But ultimately, he's leaving, and I'm not a huge fan of that. I, I will say the one argument that the Sprocco family can make here, like you said, he's kind of a tweener in this system. I think in a 4-3, his hand in the ground as a defensive end, it's really going to show his strengths more. He's... Not quite big enough to necessarily play with his hand in the ground right now at CU. He could certainly bulk up and maybe do that. And I don't know if he's quite explosive enough to be, you know, an outside linebacker either. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And that's kind of why I didn't love him in that role. It seems like he has a frame that he could easily get up to 300 pounds. And he's kind of got that quick twitch athleticism that's good at the, on the D-line, but isn't quite as useful at that linebacker spot. So that actually puts Colorado down to 85 scholarship commitments. Once again, every year people freak out <laughs> about the numbers when signing day is there. And in your, what were they? I think at 91 at one point was the height of yeah. their scholarship number. Now they're all the, way, all the way down to 85. You've got almost four months until camp starts. I mean, before you know it, they're going to be awarding walk-on scholarships again. Yeah, is Isaac Miller in that 85? I forget where he is. Yeah, and so, so you're probably at 84 then. Yeah, it's crazy how quickly that stuff seems to work itself out. Uh, there could potentially be some kind of grad transfer situation, but yeah. I don't know. You, I don't. I haven't heard any rumblings there. I got a chance to go to all three of the open practices, Tyler. Like we kind of talked about at the top, uh, life is getting in the your job is getting in the way a little bit. You weren't able to make it up to those. Um, I would say the the, the thing that I, I liked is that. In all three of those open practices, there was consistently similar players standing out every day, which is what you kind of want to see, at least from an analyst standpoint. So when mm. you start talking about things, you feel like you have a bigger sample size. Now it's still three practices. It's not the 15 that they ran through this spring. But guys like Chris Miller, Carson Wells, Alex Fontenot, and LaVisca Chenault, in all three of those open practices, had moments where you went, wow. Yeah, I'm happy to hear about Alex Fontenot because I feel like I went a little bit out on a limb with that early last year. Um, I hope he plays a ton for this team. He's, he was a guy that stood out to me as having elite-level athleticism last year, and it sounds like he's kind of becoming a little more well-rounded and playing really well. So I think that's awesome. Obviously, replacing Phil Lindsay is going to be a tough task. So adding him to Trayvon McMillian is big, I think, for that backfield spot. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a bummer that I didn't get to go up. It's kind of hilarious, all the whining I did about not <laughs> being able to go, and I didn't even make one. Uh, so shame on me, I guess. But 
you know, hopefully we get to see similar, if not a little more access, you know, during fall camps. And you like to see these kids kind of separate. You want, obviously, good competition. But it's also nice to know you have four or five guys on each side of the ball that you know are going to show up every single game. You were, you know, paying attention to spring reports and, and kind of your own intuition. Were you more optimistic following spring ball or more pessimistic or kind of the same? Uh, yeah, I think we're kind of right in line with where I expected. I think the skill positions, we are in really good shape. I think this team will ultimately be determined by the lines, and it's hard to really gauge how comfortable we are with both of those groups until they play someone else. Uh, I think if the lines are serviceable, on both sides, better than last year. This team could win eight or nine games pretty easily. Uh, I think if they struggle on the lines, they could miss the bowl game again. Uh, I really do think how they perform is that important to this year's success. You heard last off season that there was maybe a sense of entitlement creeping in following the 10-win season, a Pac-12 self-title, and that it was also a little bit of a cliquish locker room. You're hearing this off season that it's a more cohesive unit. Uh, can we buy into some of that stuff, or do we really not know until adversity hits? I feel like usually you can kind of read between the tea leaves on stuff like that. Like, there's never really a time that I can remember we were like, oh, this team really gets along, and then we found out they didn't. Usually you either hear that that's happening or you don't, and you can kind of get an idea of what's going on. It's more if um, you don't hear there's good right. chemistry, there probably isn't good right. chemistry. exactly. So you, you can tell one way or the other how much this team likes being around each other and you could say the exact same thing about the basketball program too Uh, so it's good to hear that stuff and I think it's important that every player on the team has each other's back because there's a lot of different roles in a football game and you know supporting each and every one of those guys is huge I think it helps too when you've got guys that are sophomores and redshirt freshmen that are really taking that next jump because it puts a lot of pressure on the upperclassmen that, again, you can't have a sense of entitlement or you're not going to get on the field. We talked a little bit about Dante Sparacco and his decision to leave the program. You look at outside linebacker now, and it's crazy. That group is half the size that it was after last season when we talked about all that attrition. So you're basically left with Jacob Collier, Carson Wells, Nuomotu, follow, and incoming junior college prospect Alex Changham that are going to compete there. They do have... Shamar Hamilton there, but I, we haven't heard him make any noise since he's been on campus. What do you expect out of that group? Now, uh, I will say you, they are playing more two outside linebackers on the field at the same time than they had previous years. Well, I think that's probably a good sign. They feel more comfortable with the talent level there, if that's the case. Um, I think Follow obviously, is the one guy that you feel pretty good about playing a ton of snaps before he got kicked off the team. He was a guy who played pretty well on special teams. They used him situationally on defense flashed in certain games you you saw him have success at this level I feel like he's pretty reliable there uh Carson Wells you know we were both there for he's his a camp. playmaker man yeah we were, kid. we were there for his camp first time and we we're just like wow this kid is kind of impressive he's a really good athlete he's got the size I think that you could use at that outside linebacker position so from that perspective you feel pretty good about that um yeah we haven't heard much about Shamar Hamilton Alex Changum again you know it's one of those we'll have to wait and see on that uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it seems to me they feel pretty good where they are there. Um, we need to get some pass rushing out of those guys, so we'll see which one stands out. At inside linebacker, Akil Jones apparently stepped up this spring, and that that was one of the biggest stories for me to come out of spring ball just because you're really worried about that depth at inside linebacker. But him stepping up gives you four really quality guys. Eventually, Jonathan Van Dees will get back in the mix. You've got Chase Newman now there, who's super undersized. I don't know 
quite what his role is going to be there. I think he's more of a special teams guy, but Akil Jones, we heard he was kind of lazy early in his career, yeah. and then it seemed like the light bulb went on for him in camp last year, and he got on the field a little bit, had a sports hernia, which he didn't tell anybody about, uh, but he came back this spring, and, and it seems like he's it's finally clicked for him. Yeah, he was a guy who I loved, redshirt freshman year, as a guy, explosive athlete, and obviously heard a lot of negative stuff about him the past few years. seems like he's finally woken up and seen that he can make an impact, so... I mean, hopefully he reaches that potential that I saw in him early on. Uh, he definitely disappointed the last couple of years. So it's hard to say, yeah, for sure he's ready to go because he's had such a roller coaster ride. But I hope he makes it. I thought it was strange last year when they had Akil Jones as the backup Mike linebacker and Nate Lamon as the backup Jack. Yeah. They flipped that now. I mean, Nate Lamon certainly seems like a prototypical middle linebacker. Yeah. Uh, and he obviously had a decent amount of success playing on the field last year, and I think there's just a lot more comfort comfort with him back there at this point. One of the better nicknames on the team, Nate the Hammer Landman. <laughs> is a very it fits line, him. It is a very linebacker nickname. <laughs> <laughs> on defense, another guy, I mentioned his name earlier, Chris Miller emerging at cornerback. It kind of changes now my expectations for starting cornerbacks, uh, certainly with Dante Wigley and Trey Udofia having that game experience. You just kind of give them the leg up going into spring ball. Uh, so it, Miller's emergence wasn't a shocker, but it was a slight surprise for me now that I think like he's I would pencil him in as a starting cornerback. Yeah, I mean, if he ends up starting, that means we got two really talented guys back there because I thought Trey Udofia was pretty awesome in his first year last year before he dealt with some injuries. So having three guys who you're really comfortable with, with is great. I mean, obviously, two years ago when we had Cheeto man in the corner and a Kelly man in the other and you had obviously Isaiah Alfred able to come in the game that was pretty nice luxury mm -hmm. I don't know if these three guys are quite on that level but being able to mix and match based on matchups uh, bring different guys in based on game situations is pretty nice I mean you want to have three corners that you trust in case of injury as well and I mean Chris Miller was a guy that we both loved when he signed we had high expectations for so yeah I would agree it doesn't really surprise me um, that he's making moves and has the potential to start as a freshman. Uh, but if he does, I think that says a lot about how much talent he has. Yeah, the 41-inch vertical, we'll, we'll yeah. see that showcased a few times. You remember the open scr scrimmage they had last fall when LaVisca Le Chenault was basically abusing Chris Miller? That wasn't happening this spring. He was getting right in the mix, and, and so that that was the part that surprised me the most. Yeah. We knew he had the athleticism. Yeah, if he can guard LaVisca Chenault, he can guard most Pac-12 wide receivers. So. Yeah. Evan Worthington and Nick Fisher – make you feel good about the starting safeties. Uh, behind them, Kyle Trego and Isaiah Lewis did show improvement this spring. You've got Aaron Maddox expected to be back from that shoulder injury by the time camp kicks off. Uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm – I'm not buying stock quite yet on the depth at safety. That still concerns me. Yeah, I think obviously you want Aaron Maddox to come in and solidify himself as at worst your number three guy there uh, on both sides. I mean, if he comes in healthy, ready to play, that would be nice. Um, feel a little bit better about that, you know. If you, obviously, if you go down two safeties, most teams in the country are going to be in some trouble at that position, probably. So we're not alone there. I think Kyle Trego is a serviceable guy, not somebody you want starting five or six games in a row. Yeah, Aaron Maddox, I've seen listed anywhere from 175 pounds to 195 pounds. That's kind of a big difference for a safety. It, yeah, it is. I mean, maybe he's lost a lot of weight because he hasn't been able to work out, or maybe he's gained a lot of weight because he hasn't been able to work out. I guess we'll see. Yeah, 175 would be tough to play him. 
It's yeah. at safety for sure. So hopefully it's more in that 195 range. And poor Jason Sanchez, he gets banged up again this spring. That kid must really love football to, to keep Seriously. hanging around. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that's great. You know, it's important to have those guys. It's a bummer, too, because he's a guy who can play a little bit on special teams for you. He deserves to have a healthy year. Yeah. Five of the ten players Mike McIntyre feels made the biggest jump this spring were offensive linemen. He mentioned Jake Moretti, Brett Tons, Colby Purcell, Will Sherman, Dylan Middlemas, and then Aaron Hagler was actually the co-winner of the Most Improved Offensive Lineman Award with Brett Tons. Encouraging, or is that, okay, well, we know <laughs> what they're going against on the D-line, and maybe that looks makes them look better? Or he's just trying to instill confidence in all those guys, which not, which isn't necessarily encouraging either. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, think I think he, I don't think he's just doing it for that reason. I think no, they probably made a jump. Probably not. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: the offensive line. I I think I give up trying to figure out what they're going to look like at this point. Okay. Uh, and I'll just say that they need to be improved over last year, and until I see it, I won't believe it. I did have to take a double take when Jake Moretti ran out with the first yeah. team group at left tackle in the spring game. Yeah, that definitely happened out of nowhere. That would be huge, obviously, because his if he's healthy, you, know, you have to start him. If he's, he's a healthy. five star, you know, yeah. basically. So uh, and a yeah, legit one too, right? That would be big time. And sometimes it does take just that one anchor, and everybody else kind of falls into place and knows what they have to do. I'm just worried about his long-term health. I mean, obviously, they've been pretty patient with him, so they must feel pretty good about it. So that's a pretty good sign. Yeah, I mean, if he if he's is 100, I don't know if 100%, maybe 95% is more realistic when the season kicks off, how much better does that make you feel about the O-line? Quite a bit, uh, just because he, at left tackle especially, you need that elite-level athlete to really get your offense moving. And he's, I mean, he would be one of the highest ranked tackles in the entire Pac-12. So that would be huge. I love Ryan Miller, but I have never evaluated a high school player in the state of Colorado that impressed me more than Jake Moretti when he was healthy. Yeah. Kind of uh, going over to the defensive line, Mustafa Johnson shows up, and he's basically your best defensive line guy from the, from the jump. What's your reaction to that? It's not great. <laughs> I mean, especially at junior college, obviously, it's a big transition in terms of talent level that you're facing. So for him to jump out that quickly means either he's an NFL player or our D-line isn't great. He's not tall enough to be an NFL right. guy. I, he's listed at 6'2", but he, I don't know, looks yeah, like 5'11 so to me. So I would be concerned about it. And, I mean, that's going to have a big impact on how this team succeeds at, this year. I mean, if if we can't stop guys on third and three and they just run it down your throat the entire second half, we're not going to win a lot of games. So there needs to be improvement there. McIntyre mentioned Javier Edwards is a guy that made a jump. Are you buying that? I personally haven't gotten to see him. I, I would like to see him be in better shape. I think he has a chance to do that. So I can't say for sure how that's going to play out. Um, do you know he was 390 pounds when he showed up? Yeah, that sounds about right. I would, I would have said more probably, to be honest. He's a big man, and it's you know it doesn't matter how big you are if you're tired. So they need him to be able to stay on the field. Yeah. Back to offense. Darian Jones was an interesting uh, young man to watch practice out there, and it actually kind of made me remember one of the few quotes from Dan Hawkins that I actually think of and laugh. When Josh Smith, you remember Jay Fly, mm-hmm. was a freshman, he was super talented, 
but he just wouldn't learn the playbook. And I remember Dan Hawkins saying, trying to get Josh Smith to line up correctly is like trying to build a spaceship. <laughs> that is what it seems like with Darian Jones. Well, that's not great, obviously, because if you aren't in the right spot on the field, it's going to be tough to catch passes because you're not where you're supposed to be. Uh, so if you're running up, up tempo offense, especially, I mean, you right. can't take the time. To yeah, so I'm, I guess at this point, I'm not going to expect much out of him because, I mean, if you don't know the plays, you're not going to play. So it doesn't matter how talented you are. Who does have four months, and he's only been on was only on campus for. Basically yeah. a month yeah. when, when spring ball Yeah, I don't think it's like he can't play this year. I just think right now, if that's yeah. until this situation changes, he won't be your starter. Your boy Chris Bounds is very underrated. Uh, Bernardi is right, though. He's about 10 pounds light to really go through the rigors of a Pac-12 schedule. Yeah, I mean, he's not the – it's not what you would want to see in a prototypical tight end size for sure. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's more than serviceable, and he's certainly no – worse than anything we've seen in the last five or six years from the tight end position. So if it works out that way and he's your starter, I think there are worse things. When Dylan Keeney came in, had a lot of expectations for him. And I expected to see that frame fill out and for him to become this very versatile weapon. Injuries played a big role in him never living up to that and him having to hang it up early. Jared Poplowski was a little bit undersized, showed some things during his true freshman season, suffers the torn ACL. Instead of sulking about it, he goes into the weight room, and he looks jacked now. He looks like a guy that's going to slowly over the course of time develop into an NFL-type guy. Yeah, I think they're, at this point you feel pretty comfortable with three guys at the tight end position, assuming Darian Jones can eventually find himself in the offense. All right, so you moving over to receiver between Jawan Winfrey, LaVisca Chenault, and Kavion Ento. If all those guys are healthy, how do you keep any of those guys on the sideline? You don't. You figure that out. <laughs> they're Chenault in the slot probably quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, you, you put all three of those guys on the field as much as you can. Now, obviously, Katie Nixon and Jay McIntyre are going to play a bunch of snaps too, and they rotate those guys quite a bit. Um, I think it will depend a little bit on who you're playing. Some guys, some teams have smaller corners, and obviously LaVisca Chenault's going to eat that up. Some guys have long, uh, you know, longer corners, and you're going to try to go inside a little bit more with maybe a KB on Ento in those type of situations. That move that LaVisca Chenault made to get into the end zone in the spring game was probably the, the main highlight of it. And he was doing that in those other open practices too. They're going to utilize him a ton in, in the red zone. Uh, such a fantastic weapon. It, it's just, is there a player that exudes football speed more than that kid? Uh, no. <laughs> just watch it. If you see him in real life ever, if you've like watched him at a basketball game or something, it's crazy how huge that kid is and to see him running by guys on the football field I mean he's he's got to be a mid-round to early round NFL guy at some point in his career pretty much no matter what he does statistically on the football field because he's such a freak athlete Alex Fontenot I mentioned him earlier he's very aesthetically pleasing to watch practice you're bringing in Trayvon McMillan you got to think Fontenot's the backup is there any other back you expect to, to have a big role in 2018 not really. Um, I'm bitter at. I mean, I guess they'll try to use a goal line. It's just I don't know. I I don't see a ton of snaps based on what we're hearing based on the other two running backs. So Kyle Evans obviously is a good storyline. It'd be nice to see him get a carry here or there, but no, not really. When you hear the head coach try to compare Bisharat to Ryan Null, it makes me think square peg round hole. Like it's just no, no. 
Yeah. I don't think people realize how athletic Ryan Nall is. <laughs> well, if you look at Ryan Nall's hips and Bo Bichirette's, like they're different body structures. Bichirette does really can't doesn't have the frame to be a power. A no, power and he's back. not as athletic as him either. So <laughs> why are we making that comparison? Ryan Nall's a lot bigger and he's a lot more athletic. Do we believe Steven Montez took a step forward? I mean, I I probably already sit in a position where I like Steven Montez more than the average CU fan. So, I mean, if he did, I think that's a great sign. I think he was more than serviceable last year. He's He was not the issue on the team. Now, was he perfect? Not by any stretch. He also won us a couple games. So, to me, I feel really comfortable with him back there. I know some people don't agree with me, but... I think if you give him time and you continue to give him these weapons, he'll have a huge year. How much can you harness him without taking away one of his biggest weapons, being able to make things happen out of nothing? Yeah, I mean, I think you there has to be a fine line between making great plays out of nothing and pushing so far that you're making a terrible decision that puts you out of a football game. You have to find where that point is. Like, you can't win the game on one play. So don't try to do it every single time you're scrambling, I guess, is where I would come with it. Now, we want you to improvise and be aggressive and do those things that make you successful, but you can't turn the ball over, so there has to be that fine line. Should we talk special teams? Alex Kinney is your new holder, taking over for TJ Patterson. A scholarship guy holding for the first time that I can remember. (laughs) Who was the last one to do it, Cody? Probably. Um, Did Tyler Hansen hold for a little bit? I don't remember that. I don't retain that type of knowledge. Cody did for sure. <laughs> yeah. Cameron Farrar recently joined Colorado's commit list. He is their first out-of-state pledge for 2019. Projects as a buff backer. Currently six foot, 190 pounds. But everybody I talk to seems to think that he's going to be able to put some good weight on that frame and be able to play close to the line of scrimmage in that buff backer role in college. Did you get a chance to watch his film at all? Yeah, it feels like all we recruit now is buff backers. <laughs> I don't know why that just like always sticks out in my head. Like everybody we that was on the commitment last year is a buff backer, and this year I well, think they just like those versatile. That's Ray Robinson and uh, obviously Davion Taylor. Yeah, who else was? A I don't know. <laughs> just um, the other uh, Hassan Hippolyte. He could potentially. Be <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. I don't know. It just seemed like everyone was like, "Ah, oh, he's going to play the buff backer." <laughs> it's the total op. Either we get a secondary player who's long and lanky, or we get Cameron Farrar. Those are the two guys that McIntyre loves. Yeah. I I like his change of direction. He's physical for his size in those clips. Again, he's obviously going to have to bulk up. He had some other offers, but Colorado was his lone power conference offer. Is this one of those guys you wonder, after going through last recruiting cycle, is this a guy that other schools eventually try to poach at some point? Or Yeah, I mean, I th- he's exactly what McIntyre loves, so it's not surprising. He, reminds me, he does remind me a lot of San Hippolyte. You know, I think he's a very solid early pickup at a position that is important to our defense. So he's pulling in some solid preferred walk-ons, too. Tight end Vincent Colony from the Bay Area, Texas linebacker Jake you're a check, Cherry Creek safety, Dustin Johnson, Fairview safety, Ethan Villarreal. Is that how you pronounce that? Villarreal, yeah. And Evergreen kicker, Evan Price. You're a check had five other non-Power 5 offers. He was first-team All-State, had nearly 200 tackles. I mean, he's six foot 231, going to play the Mike linebacker position. It's about as good as a yeah. walk-on as you're going to get. Yeah, seems like a guy that probably he should go play at Air Force and just blow people up for his whole career, that kind of guy. Yeah. 
um, yeah, I was surprised. I know there was some talk when he committed. This is this a scholarship guy? And I was like, I mean, I haven't heard any of the coach say anything about it, so it surprised me. But this yeah. is a hell of a walk-on candidate. Uh, you know, and you continue to have these great walk-on programs, and eventually one of them makes an impact. So this year's class has a lot of really, really good candidates to do that. Yeah, I think Vincent Colony is another guy that stands out in that group. He again, he had some lower-level offers as well. Six three, two thirty. Showed the ability to go up, get those 50-50 balls, and they didn't sign the high school tight end this year, so it's a great opportunity for him. In terms of recruiting, there was an impressive group of visitors for the spring showcase. Then they had a four-star tight end on campus the next week. A bunch of uh, four-star prospects that are, are set to visit in April. Ty Evans is obviously committed over top offers. Does it, does recruiting feel different to you this cycle? We're definitely going after some bigger names, I think, with... Darren Cheverini kind of taking over that role more aggressively. We're going after some bigger fish compared to this last class was more of a filler, you know, spot. It seemed like in more roles, but yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see if we can get a few of these guys to pop. That's really what needs to happen for it to really feel different. I mean, a lot of teams go after four-star guys, but you got to land a couple. I did my pre-spring evaluation period Colorado top 10 list. I had Ty Evans number one on the list. Not biased. I really think he's the best in-state recruiter. I think pretty much every national analyst will get to that point as well. He seems like a very – he's obviously got a ton of big-time offers, was committed to Arkansas, as we already know. Um, A lot of national analysts who have been by Colorado have very positive things to say about how he spins the ball. So, to me, that's a kid that I think has a pretty dang good chance to be in the Elite 11 competition this year. Yeah, that's really, I think, going to determine kind of where his – his recruiting ranking is going into his senior year. I'm not overly impressed with the stock of in-state talent this cycle, but I'm sure I'll get out there. I'll see more of these kids in person. Like Barrett Miller, you look at him, six four and a half, two sixty. Doesn't scream blue chip recruit, but then you go watch him play, and he just is so violent with his hands and is athletic. And you go, okay, I, I see why so many colleges are after him. So I'm hoping. There's more in-state kids you get out to. Drake Nugent, I like his film. We saw him in person on the short end of things, but he's starting to pick up back 12 Yeah, it's, it's, that doesn't surprise me really. I mean, we liked him pretty much right away when we went to go watch his game. Um, yeah, he's not the most physically imposing lineman you've ever seen. He's definitely on the shorter side, but very athletic, very technical um, I mean, he's a guy who for sure is going to play in the Mountain West and I think has a chance to maybe sneak in a couple bigger offers. Nate Solder signed with the New York Giants, and I believe that made him top-paid offensive lineman in the NFL. Yep. And Paul Richardson's going to be on the East Coast as well. Uh, he signed with the Redskins. Are they the only buffs that changed NFL teams? Oh, man. I'd have to think about Putting it. Putting you on the spot here, but yeah. Well, do you like those moves? Um, You're more of an NFL I mean, guy. Yeah, I mean, anytime you leave the Seahawks and the Patriots, I'm good with it. <laughs> Having to root for teams. I mean, for those guys. Do you like the move for those guys? I mean, yeah. Nate Solder, obviously, he's getting paid. I mean, that's an absurd amount of money. Paul Richardson honestly got more money than I expected to. Yeah, I don't know. P. Rich went from a guy who was probably underrated to maybe a guy that got a little more love than I expected last year. You know, he's still had some injury concerns. I think Nate Solder is one of the more underrated tackles in the NFL. I mean, I don't think he – I still he still hasn't made a Pro Bowl. Well, he's not underrated anymore. <laughs> well, money-wise, yeah, but he hasn't made a Pro Bowl. That's, okay. That seems a little absurd. Yeah. What are the odds that Isaiah Oliver is the only buff drafted later this month? Way too high. I don't know, 90% probably. Really that high? Yeah. 
which the, is a lot of people hold not hope that the four three nine is going to get Lindsey. Yeah, I mean, I hope he does. He deserves to, but the NFL is dumb. We know this. They don't like undersized guys. So we'll see. It's a very very good running back class, which hurts fell too. I mean, there's going to be probably seven or eight guys who start for NFL teams in the next two or three years out of this class. I mean, we'll see. I, I, somebody should give him a chance. Hopefully we'll give him a chance, and obviously he'll get a chance. He'll sign undrafted mm-hmm. somewhere. But I don't know, man. It's one of those frustrations for me. I don't know how you could watch that kid play and talk to him for more than three minutes and think that he can't make the NFL. The one guy I was disappointed with in terms of their pro timing day performance was Bryce Bobo. Yeah. Uh, I think that pretty much ruled out any hope of. Well, I mean, again, he'll have a chance as a undrafted free agent, but there's yep. no way he gets drafted after that, right? Yeah, I would think not. I mean, yeah, there's there's not really another guy who I think has even a prayer of getting drafted, honestly. So it'll be just those two. All right, that's it for this show. But a reminder: we're going to come back with a football mailbag, and we're going to have a basketball show coming as well. A reminder. Today's Buff Stampede radio show is brought to you by EverPillow from Infinite Moon. It's ever customizable, ever comfortable, and everything you could want in a pillow. They did their research and sourced the best natural materials for you for the best price. Oh, and it's ridiculously comfortable. When your new EverPillow arrives, it will come in a drawstring bag to store your extra fill so you can customize the loft and shape to give you the perfect spinal alignment. Why not customize your pillow and say goodnight to kinked necks and morning aches and pains. Everpillow, made by us, perfected by you. Use GoBuffs in the cart to receive 10% off your next purchase. Go to infinitemoon.com. I'm all about saying goodbye to kink necks. Yeah, or uh, I'm getting one of these, so thank you, Steve. I'll I'll give a very candid and honest assessment next week, next time we do the podcast here, and I expect to get some pretty awesome sleep, so I'm pretty excited. Are you like me, where every year I get older, if I have one of those nights where I sleep wrong, it lingers longer and longer? Yeah, man. I, I don't, I basically all, I don't do much else besides work and sleep at this point, so <laughs> it's very important that I get it when I can't, so. Are you an eight hours a night this, guy? No, I, I try to do seven and a half. Because okay. I'm weird and nerdy, and those are like, <laughs> that's the natural sleep cycle. You got to do six or seven okay. and a half hours. Well, we'll see if your seven and a half hours are, are more enjoyable once you get this ever pillow. Yeah. I'm looking forward to finding out. What's going on uh, at opening day at Blake Street? Just a lot of people? Yeah. I mean, it's the busiest day of the year, typically. And, of course, it's supposed to snow tomorrow. And we're recording this on Thursday. So uh, we'll see um, how that plays out. So we, we are keeping the outside open, just kind of in hope. It's going to be slammed because we are the biggest bar in the area right there. So even if the weather's bad, we're going to have a lot of people inside, obviously. Um, but we'll hopefully people will be able to brave it enough that they can go outside and you know create a little bit of space. <laughs> how did Kegs and Eggs go? Uh, kegs and Eggs was nuts. Uh, that's a tough event because there's so many people inside at one point. Like it's hard to serve that many people condensed into uh-huh. a tight space like that. And the majority of them are just trying to watch the show, so most of them are just in the way of the people that do want to get drinks. So it's it's definitely tough to coordinate that event, uh, but it's a lot of fun. And obviously, having Portugal the man play inside of your sports bar is a pretty cool. Did you get a chance experience. to meet those guys? No, I, I was running around too much. Okay. Yeah, I. I so Chris was, posted some photos with him. Yeah, he took some photos with him and all that. And they, everyone said they were great and super nice and super accommodating to the staff. So that's awesome. So hopefully a few guys made it down there and got to enjoy the show. The best thing about Blake Street Tavern is if you park in that massive lot, 
after the game, there's no point to fight the traffic. You might as well just go to yeah. Street Tavern, go to the <laughs> Underground Social, play Shuffleboard or whatever your game of choice is. Like, mm-hmm. You do that for a half an hour, an hour, and the, basically the parking lot's emptied out yep. at that point. Yeah, it just gives you something to do for a quick minute, grab a bite to eat or whatever after the game if you're still hungry. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of fun games and stuff, so you don't have to sit in traffic and try to punch people through the window. <laughs> All right, that was it for this show. Again, we'll be back with the football mailbag. Falling too fast to prepare for this Tripping in the world could be dangerous Everybody circling his vultures Negative, nepotist Everybody waiting for the fall of man Everybody praying for the end of times Everybody hoping they could be the one I was born to run, I was born for this With-